Blog Talk Radio. Get you set for the show of the year 
WrestleMania 34. So we got a lot of stuff to get into tonight on the show. Could not make heads or tails at it without my tag team partner, who is on the line all the way from finally sunny Connecticut, Dave. How you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Spring is sprung, and WrestleMania is upon us. WrestleMania 34, the last stop before we head to New Orleans. Well, before you guys head to New Orleans, um, down in the Big Easy. And uh, like you said, stacked card. It's stacked jacked, and uh, you know we're ready to uh, attack everything and anything WrestleMania at all angles. And the triumvirate is in full effect. We got Rocky in studio as well. Rocky will be heading on down to New Orleans with us, so we'll be down there together. We needed three people on the show to break down this card. Hell, we might need four or five. Like, this show is stacked. Rocky, how you doing this evening? Doing fine, Ken, Dave. Always a pleasure to be here. And definitely psyched. It's that time of year again, WrestleMania. And like you said, Ken, the card is great. I can't wait to dive into these matches. I say we begin now. I mean, it's amazing when you look, and we're going to go match by match, and I want to get both of you guys, like, just an overview of your thoughts. But when I look at this card, I mean, I look at, you know, all right, you got two battle royals. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with two battle royals, but it is what it is. Battle royals are always entertaining. The return of Daniel Bryan, that match probably can do no wrong. you got Daniel Bryan coming back. You have the Usos, New Day, Bludgeon Brothers, potential for a five-star match. Cesaro and Sheamus versus Braun Strowman. Who's going to be the surprise partner? Maybe not a five-star match potential, but we're going to get a hard-hitting matchup right there. Charlotte Asuka, five-star type match. Alexa Bliss, Nia Jax, great storytelling, should be an entertaining match. Fatal 4-Way, U.S. Championship, potential to be a five-star match. Intercontinental Championship, potential to be a five-star match. AJ Styles Nakamura, potential to be a five-star match. And you got Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, hard-hitting matchup, good storytelling going into it. And who knows, we should get Cena and The Undertaker. Let's see what they can do. But good storytelling going into that match. Which taker do we get? The speculation, dead man or American badass. But I think when you get two ring veterans in there and knowing what taker's limitations may or may not be, those guys will tell the story in the ring. When you look at that, you know, really outside of, hopefully they put the Cruiserweight Championship match somewhere in the middle so I can go to the bathroom. But other than that, I look at this card as like, this is insane. This card is insane. And I'm so psyched. It's probably the most psyched I've been beforehand. Maybe outside of seeing Hogan at a mania at, at 30. For the card itself, going to New Orleans, this might be the most excited I've ever been for the card on paper. This card is stacked. I'm psyched to get into it. So as an overview, Rock, I mean, what are your thoughts when you look at this card, at least right now on paper? Well, right now on paper, Ken, this is – I have no idea how anyone can complain about this card. Like, I, I'll put this out – People will. People will. will. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm about to say. I'm about to say, you know, I put this out to the IWC. If you're going to really bitch and moan about this card, then please do everyone a favor. Just find the nearest lake and go jump in it, please. <laughs> because, you know, it's something for everyone. You do have the cruiserweights. You do have the tag teams. You do have the battle royals, both men's and women's. You have, you know, the, the hard-hitting style uh, of Nakamura versus the uh, agility of AJ Styles. You have the monsters in Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. And, you know, I just – there's nothing to complain about, in my opinion, on this card. 
I, I mean, I know. It's, it's like I'm trying to find somewhere. I mean, maybe we'll find something over the course of the show. Dave, your thoughts when you look at this card on paper? Well, to me, I always try to look at wrestling as a variety show. This year's WrestleMania is a variety show. You do get a little bit of everything. The cruiserweights, you get a big, you know, physically, you know, imposing match between Brock and Reigns. You get that internet wrestling wet dream with AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. I mean, you have a mixture of just about everything that WWE has to offer. And what I find interesting about this year's card is that there's potential for there to be a lot of turning points with certain characters and certain talents on this roster stemming from WrestleMania. So I'm more intrigued. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously I'm pumped for this, for this show. WrestleMania is always a fun show, but this year more than ever, I could probably count on both hands the amount of matches that have the potential to be quote-unquote five-star matches. Yeah, that's what's amazing. Like, when you look at really – and granted, like, you know, being realistic, you're going to look at this card. There are going to be matches that exceed expectations. There are going to be matches that disappoint. Um, you know, that, that remains to be seen. I mean, you hope that everyone knocks it out of the park, and that's, that's the way it goes. But if you're being realistic, you know that some are going to be underwhelming, some are going to be overwhelming. Um, but like I said, on paper, uh, it, it's pretty insane the amount of matches where, um, you know, there's five-star potential. And, and Dave, I think you bring up a really good point. Like when you look at wrestling as a variety show, um, there's a variety of stuff for you as a fan to get into. And, and, you know, when you look at, you know, wrestling is, is an interesting business where you look at fans and I know we joke about the IWC, but they are a percentage of the fan base. And you, when you look at like the IWC, you look at old school wrestling fans, you look at kids, you look at families, ladies, men, like whatever demographic you want to split up and, 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 and do some market research on a wrestling crowd, you look at this card and there's something for everybody. There's something for each and every, if you're an old school guy, it looks like you're going to get Taker back. Um, as an old school guy, and I know people love to crap on it, I'm psyched about Lesnar and Roman Reigns. I think they give you that old school championship hard-hitting type matchup. Like, I'm psyched for that. So, I, I think you got, if, you, if you're the IWC, you know, you got Daniel Bryan coming back. You got Owens and Zayn on the card. You know, you, you have your guys, families. I mean, it's, it's everything. You know, Daniel Bryan appeals to a wide variety of, of the demographic. John Cena, kids, family. I mean, there's, there is something for everybody on this card, which to me is just amazing. And, and we can be critical, as a lot of podcasts can be, as far as, you know, booking shows, who's doing what, storytelling. We've been critical here on this show at, at a few WrestleManias where the card, like, leading into it is like, oh, my God, this, this is garbage. Like, there's nothing for me to get excited about. Um, this year, it, it's exciting. And you just hope that they deliver because if this, if this card does not deliver, this would be the biggest disappointment in, in wrestling history. I mean, this is like... This card, like, has to deliver. And with that, let's, you know, I joked about it, but, but why don't we start off with Cruiserweight Championship match, Cedric Alexander versus Mustafa Ali. Um, Rock, who do you think comes away victorious in this matchup? Well, in this match, and if you remember last year uh, in Orlando, they had the uh, Cruiserweight Championship match on a pre-show, and, of course, there were, uh, there were royals from the IWC about – having, you know, Neville and Austin Aries, how dare you put them on the pre-show? But but in my opinion, you put these guys on the pre-show, you put these guys first to pump up the crowd because that's exactly what uh, cruiserweight-type matches do, especially for the the uh, 
the younger fans who want to see all the acrobatic stunts, who want to see all the uh, high flyers. And here you have Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali. Now, admittedly, I don't watch as much 205 Live as I do uh, Raw or SmackDown, but uh, I do like Cedric Alexander. Uh, he's He has impressed me before when I have watched them when they used to have the, that segment on Raw. So... After wa- after watching a little bit of Cedric, after watching a little bit of Mustafa that I did pre-show, I'm going to go with Cedric for the vacant Cruiserweight Championship. And I'm actually going to agree with you. I'm going to agree with you with Cedric. Again, I don't I, – I, you know, if something happens, I'll catch, like, matches from 205 Live. It, as a fan, it has not grabbed me. Um, as, as a talk show host, this is not my full-time gig, so it's not like – you know, oh, I got I got to watch that to do the show. This is a, this is fun. This is a passion. You know, <laughs> having a good time here. So, watch a lot of wrestling. But honestly, if it doesn't grab my interest, it's not like I sit there and say I have to watch this because I'm doing a show. I watch it when something important might happen. Um, but as a fan, it really has not grabbed me and and drawn me in uh, to, to watch this show. So that being said, I. Honestly, if it's in the right place, I, I would go to the bathroom during this match, and I don't mean that with any disrespect. I'm just not interested. I think these guys will deliver and give us something entertaining. It just doesn't pique my interest. Dave, your thoughts on this match? Um, I haven't, like you guys, I haven't watched a whole lot of 205 Live. I have been keeping up with, um, you know, reports on it and how, you know, Triple H is kind of overseeing the, the creative of 205 Live, and he's trying to mold it into something very similar to what he did with NXT, uh, and appeal to that internet wrestling fan. Like you said, they are a fan base. And so they've been making positive strides in doing that and keeping the show very simple with, you know, the, the, the athleticism speaking for itself and not being a very hokey, over-the-top sports entertainment program that WWE has been known to produce. So with that being said, um, I've caught bits and pieces here and there when I've heard some stuff or something that really catches my eye that I have to see. But like you guys, I don't watch a whole lot of it. Um, I, I did watch the sit-down interview that happened the other night between Ali and Cedric with um, Rockstar Spud, and I'm not going to call him Drake Maverick because I think that's a stupid, hokey WWE <laughs> Force Entertainment name. I think it's dumb, and whoever came up with that idea should be on the unemployment line with Mojo Rawley someday. Um, but the interview that the, the interview the two of them had, um, I, I I didn't sense like a, a, a big wave of emotion from them, but I sense importance in their desire to be the cruiserweight champion. And I think that's lost in sometimes in, in today's wrestling. Some guys just want a championship just to have a championship, but some guys want, you know, and there's other guys that want the championship because of how important it is to them to be that particular champion. And we don't see a whole lot of that in wrestling. In this case, I think we do. Uh, with that being said, I th- I'm going to disagree with you both. I'm going to go with Mustafa Ali. I think they're telling a different story with him. Um, and how far he's gotten here, and I think they're using his, um, his, his his nationality and his heritage to try to identify with that audience. There's a Pakistani audience that they obviously want to connect with over in the Middle East, so um, I think Ali's going to be that guy to at least have a, a, a run with the title after WrestleMania. So, Ali for the victory. Good stuff. So, no hat trick for the first match. And, uh, you know what, I'm going to go – because, you know, we don't really decide what the rundown is going to be. And I'm going to, because of you inspired me, Dave, the next match I want to talk about, because I, I think it's really, I think you, you hit on a, a really great point with caring about a belt. Uh, 
caring about being champion, making the championship matter. And, you know, I, I, I like with Brock Lesnar, and we're going to get into that match a little bit later on, but I don't know if you necessarily get that whole, you know, I'm the universal championship and this, this title means more to me than, than anything. Um, I don't think you get that from the Brock Lesnar character. I will say this, as a heel, you do get that from The Miz. Uh, you do get that idea that the Miz really cares about that belt, really cares about being champion. The character, the Miz, takes pride in being, now he may win in an underhanded fashion, he's definitely a heel, but that, that character, and, and he's really done a brilliant job building this character. It's insane that I'm saying that, <laughs> but he's got like, the, there's depth, there's depth to this character that he will... He's a heel. He will cheat to win. But as a heel, he takes a lot of pride in elevating that championship, being the Intercontinental Champion, um, being a a well-deserved Intercontinental Champion. So I love what he's done with this character. I love how he's portrayed being champ. Um, I, I just enjoy everything. This is a match here that I think The Miz has evolved into not only outside the ring, but inside the ring, a, a masterful storyteller. Um, I think you add Seth Rollins and Finn Balor to this, this mix. Um, this, again, potential five-star. You know, Rollins, the guy that loves to deliver on the grandest stage of them all. I think you got three professionals in here. And, and as I've gone on and on about this matchup, I, when I look at the three guys, and it's intriguing because there's part of me that I, I really think if I booked it, I, I might have the Miz retain and, and break the record for the longest running intercontinental champion and, and really, really do a lot for that belt. However, when I look at this match, I look at Miz as a guy who has elevated himself, has, has moved perhaps past this. I don't know if I, I, I still don't know if I want to see him in the main event, but I don't think he needs the belt, at least right now. Would not be shocked to see him with that IC title again down the road a piece. Um, but when I look at these three guys right now, I look at Finn Balor. I look at Finn Balor as a guy who could use the belt. I look at Finn Balor and the Balor Club as having the IC champ in, in the mix there definitely helps that character. Um, when I look at the three, I'm actually predicting from a place of who could use the belt the most. I don't think Rollins really needs the belt. I think Rollins, um, who knows what's going to happen this year, but a guy who could definitely move up back up to the main event picture. Um, Finn Balor, universal champion gets injured for the most part to me was, has kind of been floundering around the mid card since he came back, having a decent run with the IC title, I think would be great for Finn Balor and that character. So my pick is Finn Balor. Dave, your thoughts. Uh, I agree with every point you make about Miz, with the exception of the fact I think he is ready for the main event. I think we can see him competing for either the WWE Championship or the Universal Championship. As great a job as he's done at elevating the Intercontinental Championship and making it almost more important than the, than the top title on Raw, which is the Universal title, I feel like he's past that. He doesn't need that title anymore. He's done the elevation. I feel like this is the best that this championship has looked since, the early days of the Attitude Era, late 97, early 98, I would say, um, right, probably right before the invasion. And I feel like 
since then, the title has floundered. The title is, has not has had start and stop pushes with meaning, and they put the belt on just about anybody at that point. And I feel like Miz has rechristened it and brought it back to life, and I don't feel he's needed for it anymore. I've enjoyed the buildup with him playing the chicken shit heel and trying to get Rollins and Balor to you know be at odds with each other, but I've also enjoyed the Rollins and Balor beef with the two of them, trying to you know kind of play, can you top this? I'm better than you. I can out-wrestle you sort of thing. So I think we might see some more of that from the two of them post-WrestleMania, but I'm going to disagree with you on your, on your pick. I think Finn Balor will not be Intercontinental Champion at leaving WrestleMania. I think that will be a turning point for his character to come up short on the grand stage at WrestleMania, and I think Seth Rollins is going to leave with the Intercontinental Championship. He's a workhorse. That title's always been known to be a workhorse championship, and I think Rollins is going to help add even more prestige to that title than Miz did, even though it's not needed. So my pick, WrestleMania, Seth Rollins leaving with the Intercontinental Championship. But I think Finn Balor, like I said, I think we're going to see a turning point in his character because of this loss. This loss is going to really affect him down the line. Well, this is the most interesting match. And as far as your pick, I'm going to agree with none of you. Wow! You all bring up great points. Uh, I can definitely agree that The Miz doesn't need the belt uh, for, for his character. Uh, the Miz has obviously elevated it to, to lofty levels as it should be. That being said, uh, I don't know if I'm quite ready for the Miz in the main event, but let's just argue for a minute that, yes, they are grooming Miz to make that next level step. Uh, for me, it would be a better, uh, he would, it would be better suited to have Miz at that next level going for the top tier belts saying, well, I was the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. What were you? You were a flash in the pan. You were a part-timer, whoever has the belt. But my argument is it would be be his credentials were better be suited if he does break that. You know, I think last Raw, he said something 34 days, 34 days ago before he's the longest reigning intercontinental champion. I think they're going to give that to him before they take it off. Uh, that way, when he does hit that next level, he has that credential under his belt. Because, you know, let's also face it. When you look at the top-tier belts, it's a lot of, you know, where the big boys play. And Miz isn't, obviously, not the biggest uh, of competitors. So he's going to need a little bit of a credential behind that, uh, behind that swagger if he goes for those belts. So my pick, the Miz will somehow maybe dirty, but he will retain that Intercontinental Championship. Wow, and and also like, and that's awesome because I I think that's you know another testament to what this card looks like to have a triple threat match and and we have three different picks just shows that and, and I think every scenario makes sense. I, I mean I, I you know all of us I can't look at all the picks and say any one of us are wrong. Like all all the supporting reasons we came up with on on why our our guy would win um, makes sense. Which again is when you look at that it's it's not only setting up matches that look good bell to bell, but they're setting up some good storytelling. If you can make a case for each guy walking away with that belt, it's some good storytelling. I'd, I'd like to change gears a little bit to the, to both battle Royals. And, and I, I, I'm curious your thoughts 
about the battle royal. I mean, and and multifaceted conversation if if you can actually do that when you're analyzing a battle royal. But I, a couple things. I mean, number one, I, I, battle royals are entertaining, and I said that at the top of the show. And you run down the card that regardless of whether you know you need another battle royal, two battle royal, whatever, battle royals are entertaining. Um, I don't know. I, I would have liked to have seen something different from the ladies. Uh, whatever, an elimination tag match. You want to just a lumberjill match somewhere to get all. I'm not the biggest fan of having two battle royals. I think it's just, you know, the guys are doing it. Let's let the ladies do it. You know, it, it, it's a little too much of, you know, just kind of adding a woman's version for the sake of adding a woman's version. And there's no real reason to add another battle royal. That all being said, I'm really curious your thoughts on this because when I was watching Raw, you know, Michael Cole said something, about, you know, and, and I'm I'm gonna forget the exact quote, but but he said something about you know the Andre the Giant Battle Royal like being that like feather in your cap, that next step forward, you know, it's it's a it's a big deal to win that. And and, and when he said it, I I, I kind of went back and I was like. You know, you would think it's the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. You got that that trophy. That that would be a really good place to kind of put that. You know, who's the next guy up? Who's the next guy that's going to get that big push? Like we're going to grandest stage them all, named after Andre the Giant. This is going to be the next guy. But when you go back in the past and you look at the guys who have won, Cesaro comes out as a Heyman guy. That 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 faltered wound up faltering in the mid-card for a while until the bar came to existence, which is which has been great. But that big show, established star already, did not need it. Baron Corbin, <laughs> Mojo Riley, <laughs> but but it went nowhere. I mean, we, we enjoy Raz and Dave on Mojo, of course. You know, Mr. Mojo Rising. But what, what did that do for him? What did that do for Mojo? Nothing. Not only did Nothing. he win, but he gets the rub from Nothing. Gronkowski. Nothing. Nothing. So it's, it's interesting when Nothing. I look at this and you think, all right, who's going to win this and, and, you know, be able to, to move forward into bigger and better things. I'm like, who cares? Like, it's going to be entertaining, at, you know, being there in the stadium and we'll have fun with it. Um, but when I look at both these, these matches, I look at it and I'm like, I, I don't know if it, if it helps anybody's career whether you win it or not. Now, look, Andre's going to be in the public consciousness coming up with the documentary on HBO. Does the WWE have someone win this battle royal and purposely, like, all right, this time we're going to elevate this character moving forward out of WrestleMania? Perhaps. But I want to get both your takes on it. I mean, you know, we've been there live. We've, We've seen the Andre Giant battle royal. Again, battle royals are entertaining. It's fun to watch. But Ultimately, and I'll start with you, Dave, ultimately, I don't think this, the Battle Royals helped anybody. And when I look at the ladies having a Battle Royal, I don't know if that's going to help any of them either. It hasn't helped the guys, like you said, especially with Big Show being established. Like, this was just another, this was like another benchmark on, on Big, Big Show's resume to say, you know, I won the Andre the Giant Battle Royal because he's been compared to Andre the Giant all through his career. So if he didn't win the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, I think people would have been disappointed. So it was something that, like, they just had to get out of the way before he, he you know, calls it quits and winds it down. Uh, you know, like you said, Cesaro, Boring Corbin, Mojo Riley, nothing, nothing, nothing. It did nothing for any of them. Um, it's just a match that throws a bunch of guys together. I think 
um, with the amount of time on television they put with all the replays and the recaps and the, you know, and, and everything else, they can at least, you know, afford to, you know, dedicate, you know, uh, a, a decent chunk of time in the very least, you know, having some of these mid card to lower card guys discussing the importance of winning the battle Royal. So it could make us feel like it means something instead Here's what they do. They get the majority of the card out, and then everyone that's left on the card is like, guess what I'm going to do at WrestleMania? I'm going to enter the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Well, no shit you are, because they already got 12 (laughs) and 16 of the matches already decided for, so what else are you going to do at WrestleMania, dumbass? Like, for real, if they were to announce it, like, the first or second week, and you had certain guys, like, you know, announce their entry into it, I think that would have been more realistic. Instead, it's like, hey, guess what you're going to do? And then you're all in the Battle Royal, you know? So I feel like it's it's not made with importance. But I do think this year might be a little different because of the documentary. Um, And hopefully whoever's in it um, and whoever wins it benefits from it and they continue the tradition. Because I do like the fact that Andre has, you know, that Andre's memory is being used in a meaningful manner, or at least – they've attempted to at times with this battle royal. As far as the girls' battle royal goes, I would have done a gauntlet match. Hell, this, the, this girls' battle royal is basically centered around Sasha and Bailey's issues. Why didn't they just have Sasha have a team? And then Bailey had a team, and they could just mix the girls and do like a 20-woman 20, 20 tag or something. They didn't need to do a battle royal. And by the way, whoever designed that trophy for them, it looks like a uterus. So they should be fired, too. With <laughs> wow. It goes without saying. It does. Go, go, go. Go look at it. The IWC has been ripping that trophy apart. They look like fallopian tubes on each side. It's awful. There's nothing, nothing you know, bad against women by any means. I don't want to come across as a woman basher, but whoever designed that trophy, you should be fired too. So um, <laughs> that's where I stand with these two battle royals. Do you want my picks, or are we, are we going into that? Do you, would you like me to give you my picks, my thoughts on sure, the win? Becky Lynch is going to win the girls' one. Why? Because Becky Lynch doesn't do jack shit, and she was one of the four horsewomen that's kind of been left off to the side. Becky Lynch needs a little feather in her cap other than just being the last kicker. And as far as the Andre the Giant Battle Royal goes, I'm going to give it to a returning superstar who just got cleared recently. I think this would be a good way to reintroduce him back into WWE storylines, but I'm picking big cast to win the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. It's interesting some of the stuff you said, because, like, when I look at you're right, like, the Battle Royal, and it's funny, because the Andre the Giant Battle Royal only means something every year when they're trying to put over the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. And I agree with you. Andre, having Andre's name tied to a WrestleMania tradition, to me, is awesome. I, I think that's tremendous, and that should stay. Don't get rid of it. Do more with it, but don't get rid of it. And, and I, love, I love having that, like, it just means something. But it's amazing that, like, you know, they do nothing with the winner. It, it, it You know, the, the person's character usually goes down the toilet after winning. But then when you get closer, like, to your point, Dave, they, they throw a bunch of people in the battle royal, and then you have them, like, you know, they put the trophy on display. And, you know, people get done with their match, and they, they just stare at the trophy as if it, it's so prestigious. But it only becomes prestigious about two and a half weeks before WrestleMania. Then it's like, now all of a sudden it's a big deal to try and win this. Um, I'll get my picks now, too. Uh, why not? I am going to go out on a limb with the ladies, and I'm going to go with Ruby Riot to win the ladies battle royal. And I'm going to go the exact opposite direction as far as Andre the Giant, big mother effer, the memorial Andre the Giant battle royal. And I'm going to go with 
Dolph Ziggler victorious in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Rock, your thoughts overall on these Battle Royals, and, and what are your picks? Well, yeah, I, I think, in my personal opinion, I can agree with both of your stances. You both bring up great points as far as the previous winner of the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. But you know, due to that fact, I think it gets a bad rap. Because if we do think back to the winners of the, of the Battle Royal, yeah, Andre, I mean Andre, uh, Big Show, yeah, kind of a throwaway. But to Dave's point, you know, he's been compared to Andre, so it, it was kind of fitting for him to, to win the opener. The point I'm, I'm going to make, and I'm going to go through each winner briefly, the point I'm going to make, though, is these people did receive a little bit of extra attention, extra push. Uh, just didn't seem to work out. You had Cesaro, like like you said, Ken, became a Paul Heyman guy. Is that what Cesaro really needed? Eh, not really. Not to mention the fact that Paul was really fo- uh, focusing with, with Brock. Well, you know, well, why why focus on Cesaro? Uh, yeah, Baron Corbin. Now, I, I am in agreement with both of you. Baron Corbin, not my favorite superstar on the roster. But you can't deny that after he did win the Battle Royal, he, he, he started put, getting pushed a little bit up the card. Uh, obviously, the, the guy wasn't quite ready for it, couldn't quite handle it, so he got put right back down the card. Uh, Mojo. Uh, now, I, I know this irks Dave to no end, but I kind of do like Mojo. Not, he's not the second coming of, you know, uh, of Carl Gotch or anything. But I, I, I appreciate the enthusiasm. Uh, because he stays hyped. I don't. He stays, he stays hyped. I but, don't. Uh, yeah, a little bit of extra attention, not much. Uh, what, what, you know, still remains to be seen as far as him went. So I guess my point being that, yeah, they could do more with the winner of the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. And uh, I think, and hopefully this year with the documentary, that comes to fruition, that you actually get some positive or maybe creative has some positive ideas. About what are we going to do with this guy who won? Uh, as far as who's going to win it, uh, you know, it's a hell. You, you could even go all, go way off on a limb. You know, you know what? I, I am going to go way off on a limb that I know it's not going to happen, but the hell with it, I think it would be cool if it did. Because as of right now, John Cena is still in the freaking crowd. The, the challenge hasn't been answered. I say John Cena comes in, beats, <laughs> beats up everyone, waiting for Undertaker, and that's the start of – and he went to Andre Giant Battle Royal just to start off the match, waiting for the Undertaker to come down to the ring. Obviously, that's not going to happen, but I'm just throwing it out there. If and you if you get that right, I will. Like... If I get that right, I think I'm going to retire uh, champion. <laughs> I, I think that qualifies for me to retire as champion. Uh, as far as the ladies are concerned, and, and them them having a battle royal, I, I can see you know they're they're, they're really trying to get. Uh, women's wrestling up to, up to that equal level of the men's wrestling. Do I think they could have a match? Uh, you know, let's give the guys a battle royal, give the women a, a match of their own that they can call that, you know, this is the women's match. You could look at it that way, or you could look at it as just, we're trying to be equal. And this is what it is. Um, as far as who wins the women's battle royal, uh, uh, you know, I, I really have no dog in this fight. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll go out on a limb and say, hell, <laughs> Lana. Lana. If I get both these picks right, I'm definitely retiring as champion. <laughs> I, mean, I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> I thought, you know, in all honesty, like, it would be intriguing. And 
Again, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I would put money on. But a desperate John Cena, if you don't have the Undertaker show up this week at all, and a desperate John Cena, everyone's in the ring, Cena's music hits, and just he runs down there beating the shit out of everybody, just like you know, get out of here, like, and then the ring is empty, he wins, and he's just like, where are you? Where are you? And then the lights go out. And then you hear, he's here. <laughs> I should do that when I'm on the air. And again, I mean, that, that could work. Again, I think you're way off base. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I put myself off base. Let me make that perfectly clear. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. You want to talk WrestleMania, give us a call. But right now, it's time for Dave's. WrestleMania throwback part one. Take it away, Dave. Thank you, Ken, and thank you, class, for joining me on this journey as we get you set for WrestleMania 34. This is the pay-per-view throwback historical retrospective. I'm your wrestling historian extraordinaire, Dave Rosenbluth, and I'm excited about tonight's discussion as the second Christmas to wrestling fans is upon us, WrestleMania. For 33 years, the Super Bowl of professional wrestling has brought us memories that have sparked thought-provoking discussions that you can only hear on the best pro wrestling podcast in the game today, the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk. So with that being said, allow me to delve into some WrestleMania history with this two-part retrospective. This first part is a recap of two WrestleMania events that have taken place on this very date, March 31st, as I present part one of the pay-per-view throwback retrospective entitled, This Day in WrestleMania history. March 31st, 1985, a day that will be remembered in wrestling history as a game changer, a day that set the bar for decades to come, a day that is held in high regard amongst wrestling historians like myself. That day is WrestleMania's birth. The inaugural mega event was held inside the hallowed halls of Madison Square Garden in New York City. The mecca of sports and entertainment housed the biggest event in wrestling history at that time, the historians and documentarians have stated over the years that this was the show that brought professional wrestling into the mainstream. And with the star power in the main event that evening, it's hard to argue that point. Hot Rod Rowdy Roddy Piper, along with Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and their insurance policy ace, Cowboy Bob Orton, were wreaking havoc all over the WWF and the Rock and Wrestling Connection. Piper's issues with rock star Cindy Lauper and her presence on WWF television drew the ire of fans worldwide. With each passing day, Hot Rod's volatile nature towards Lauper grew as WrestleMania was lurking in the shadows. Coming to the defense of Cindy Lauper was WWF champion Hulk Hogan, who had his fair share of battles with the Rowdy Scotsman. He, too, was also no stranger to Piper's cohorts, Mr. Wonderful and Cowboy Bob Orton. As the popularity of the WWF and the Rock and Wrestling Connection continued to grow, so did Hot Rod's heinous actions towards anyone in his path. A month prior, at the war to settle the score on MTV, Piper and friends embarrassed and humiliated Lauper and her entourage when he smashed the gold record presented by Dick Clark over Captain Lou Albano's head and kicked Cindy Lauper in the stomach inciting a mini-riot in New York City. It was also that at this event that Hogan and Piper tangled for the WWF championship in a smash-mouth style match with neither man being able to get the best of their opponent. In the end, a, deci- a decisive winner would not come to be when Orndorff, 
Orton, Mr. T, and Jimmy Snuka all made their presence felt, with the table being set for the main event of the very first WrestleMania. Now, you might be wondering how Mr. T fit into this equation. Well, he had been a regular of WWF storylines in the weeks and months prior, and the taunting from the rowdy Scotsman towards the Hollywood Tough Man had built up to the point where the A-Team star felt it was time he either put up or shut up and agreed to be the tag team partner of Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 1. Now, time for the main event. Liberace and the Rockettes make their way to the ring to fulfill guest timekeeper duties. The raucous New York City crowd are on their feet for former New York Yankees manager Billy Martin as he's set to introduce the combatants, but not before he introduces the special guest enforcer, the greatest boxer in the history of the sport. To millions, he's the greatest of all time, a trailblazer in boxing, but more importantly, he's a pioneer in American history, the one, the only, Muhammad Ali. The garden was rocking as Muhammad Ali was decked out in the traditional referee uniform as he made his way to the ring. The sold-out crowd at a fever pitch. The sounds of the New York Police, New, the NYPD bagpipe band filled the arena as Hot Rod Rowdy Rowdy Piper, Mr. Wonderful Paul Ondorf, and Ace Cowboy Bob Orton made their way to the ring to a chorus of boos. As the antagonists stand in the middle of the ring and soak in the overwhelming disdain from the sold-out garden, the deafening sounds of Eye of the Tiger had New York City on its feet with the WWF champion Hulk Hogan, Mr. T, and Jimmy Snuka headed towards the ring for battle. With the bell rung, the action was underway, with Hogan and T taking control early on, much to the delight of the fans in attendance. Things began to settle down. Piper and Orndorff managed to get their bearings together and run the table for a good portion of this match. Hogan became the whipping boy with Mr. Wonderful and Hot Rod taking turns dishing out their brand of punishment. But just like any good story, the fight wasn't over yet, as Mr. T was itching to get in on the action and put Hot Rod in his place. When the time came, the garden erupted, with T landing rights and lefts on Piper, backing him into the corner, giving Hogan a chance to catch his breath and make a difference in the outcome of this match. As the controlled chaos continued, Cowboy Bob Orton, with his never-ending broken arm plastered in a hard cast, was the difference maker with a leap off the top rope. His sights set on Hogan. However, a quick reversal of a Mr. Wonderful Nelson by the Hulkster resulted in Orton inadvertently nailing Orndorff to seal the victory for Mr. T and the WWF champion. A one, two, three, and that's all she wrote. Hulkamania and Mr. T vanquished the evil Hot Rod and his entourage to end the very first WrestleMania event. In the years to follow, many wrestling historians often debate the true selling point of this particular event. Did people pay money to see Hulk Hogan, or did they pay money to see Roddy Piper? Or did they pay money to see Hulk Hogan beat the shit out of Roddy Piper? Me personally, I truly believe both of these arguments hold up quite well in discussions for as long as I'm on this earth documenting this great industry. However, I also believe that people tuned into WrestleMania 1 to see what Mr. T was going to do in that match, and more importantly, what he was going to do to Roddy Roddy Piper. Which brings me to 11 years later, WrestleMania 12, March 31st, 1996, the pond in Anaheim, California, witnessed Shawn Michaels fulfill his boyhood dream to become WWF champion as he defeated Bret the Hitman Hart in overtime of a 60-minute Ironman match. That's not the match I want to talk about. I want to relive the infamous Hollywood backlot brawl, Goldust taking on Hot Rod Rowdy Rowdy Piper. The man who helped build WrestleMania 1 is starring in his very own feature presentation with his co-star, or should I say victim, being Goldust. In a month's time, Hot Rod returned to the company as the on-screen interim president. Goldust had every intention of making him feel welcome in his own special way. With his androgynous nature reaching its peak, 
The over-the-top antics from the bizarre one took a toll on Piper, forcing him to come out of retirement yet again, leading us to this match. There was no bell that needed to be rung, except for the one sported by Goldust, as Piper was bringing an all-out assault to kick things off in the backlot brawl. With the studio backlot to his disposal, Piper used anything in sight to punish Goldust. Baseball bat to the head, Irish whip into the gold Cadillac, hip toss into the dumpster, trash cans, fire hoses. Like I said, anything in sight, Piper made use of it. Hot Rod's bare knuckles to the skull rang through my television set as I watched gold dust hit the ground like a stack of bricks. The violence in this match wasn't structured in the most organized fashion, but as a viewer, to me it felt very real. A last-ditch effort by Goldust as he delivered a low blow to the Rowdy One turned the match in his favor. His momentum continues as he proceeded to ram his beat-up gold Cadillac into a prone Piper and drive off, leaving fans in shock, but with anticipation as to what happens next. Over the course of the evening, a helicopter footage aired of a familiar white Ford Bronco speeding along the Los Angeles freeway, with Piper on the phone declaring to Vince McMahon and the viewing audience at home on watching on pay-per-view that the war was far from over. As the evening's end was drawing near, right before the Iron Man match was set to kick off, the gold Cadillac made its way to Anaheim with Piper in tow in the white Ford Bronco. The finale of the Hollywood backlot brawl continued inside the arena as Piper made gold dust his bitch with a sold-out crowd enjoying every minute of it. The finish came when Piper stripped gold dust of his dignity and his wrestling gear just to reveal how bizarre he truly was. Another great and memorable WrestleMania moment involving the late, great, hot rod, rowdy, rowdy Piper, which brings this portion of my throwback to a close. Check back later as we take a trip to the Superdome in New Orleans for some of my favorite memories of when I attended WrestleMania 30 with part two of the pay-per-view throwback entitled Bourbon Street Mania, then and now. Good stuff. Nice. I love, I love all the history and, and uh, pageantry. Great stuff about Roddy, Rowdy, Rowdy, Roddy Piper. And why not, if we're, we're talking Rowdy, Roddy Piper, why not talk a little... A rowdy Ronda Rousey. You know, this is interesting. You know, you, possibly the biggest star the WWE has ever signed. Um, I don't want to, like, crap all over it. Uh, I don't think you could say Rousey has been an absolute home run so far. Uh, she does look a little awkward in the ring um, with her promo work. She uh, Not horrible. Um, she's obviously green. I think there's a lot of growth to be had. Um, I got to say that I really liked the video package with Triple H and Stephanie McMahon this past week on Monday Night Raw. Because when you look at this, this matchup, you have a Kurt Angle who won a gold medal with a broken freaking neck. You got Ronda Rousey, who was the baddest woman on the planet. When you look at this matchup, you look at kind of a slam dunk. Like, how could Angle and Rousey lose this match? Again, believe it in kayfabe. How can they lose this match? And I thought the video package with Triple H and Stephanie was awesome. I thought it kind of gave you that, you know, you're stepping into our world now. You know, and Triple H is like, I've been beating up Kurt Angle my whole career. I'm just going to beat him up one more time. And Stephanie, like, yeah, you may have been great in MMA, but this is my blood. This is my family. This is my company. I rule this place. And And I thought it was really well done showing the two of them working out gave us a little feel of, hey, you know, Stephanie's not a woman to mess with either. Um, I mean, it helps storyline-wise. I wouldn't mess with Stephanie outside of storyline either. 
uh, you know, she's in shape. She's into fitness. She works out. I thought the video package really did a good job with, with telling this story. Um, there's part of me that looks at this match and wonders, do we get a swerve? Do we get a turn? Does Rousey turn on angle and, and join up with, with Triple H and Stephanie, especially with some of the, I think, lukewarm reactions from the fans? Um, I could see it, but I'm not going to bet on it. I'm going to go pretty straightforward this matchup. I think they're looking for, for a, a, a WrestleMania moment. Triple H and Stephanie are great at being the, the villains. I wouldn't be surprised if we have like a, a double tap out and uh, Rousey's breaking Stephanie's arm while Angle is breaking Triple H's ankle um, and they both tap out. Wouldn't be shocked if we see something like that. But I'm looking for a feel-good WrestleMania moment to try to get the crowd behind Rousey. I'm picking Angle and Rousey to emerge victorious. Your thoughts, Rock? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty psyched for this match. And I agree with you, Ken. You know what? Uh, Ronda has looked a little rough. And you know what? I can't blame her. Uh, you know, she was thrust into this uh, main event. Uh, maybe not main event, but she was thrust pretty high up in the card very quickly. And for obvious reasons, for you IWC fans who want to say, uh, Ronda hasn't paid her due. You mean you, you mean the woman who actually won Olympic gold and the woman who was beating people up in real life uh, in UFC? Uh, no, she didn't earn. Uh, she didn't uh, pay her dues. Yes, sit the sit down and shut the hell up. Uh, sure, Ronda is rough, but I think placing her in the ring with pretty much you know at least two uh, definitely at least two ring generals. And Stephanie McMahon, who definitely is not uh, short on experience in the ring, I think it's a wise move to protect her, to guide her on her first real, or her first pay-per-view in a WWE sense. Uh, because, you know, like you said, Ken, she, in her interviews, her timing, uh, you know, keep in mind, really, in the UFC, she, she wasn't really, she didn't really have to do promos, she didn't have to talk, she had to beat the crap out of the other group. Uh, out of the other girl, and she did that a lot. Uh, but I really do hope that they can all uh, transform this and transform Rhonda into a force that she is, because I still look forward to down the line. I look forward to, and I think it's going to happen, Rhonda versus Asuka. So I'm going to go along with you, Ken. I think it's going to be a feel-good moment. I think you're going to see Kurt Angle and Rhonda Rousey victorious over the authority. And Dave, your thoughts? We have our first hat trick of the pre-game <laughs> In all seriousness, I think she's gotten a lot of undeserved criticism because, like you both have said, she's been put in a situation where she doesn't have this much experience in this field. She was paid to beat people up in MMA. She wasn't paid to cut promos in front of the millions and millions of people like, like, like the guys in WWE do. I got into a heated discussion, and Rock, you're a witness to this. I'm sure you are too, Ken, on the Save American Wrestling Facebook page where, you know, the majority of those guys think they're smarter than the average bear when it comes to professional wrestling. And one point of discussion that turned that, – that, that really – it made my day pretty shitty at the end of the day. I'm not going to lie. I was kind of pretty burnt up about this. But they were criticizing her eye makeup from the other night. 
the way that she's put the eye ma- makeup or the mascara or whatever, they, 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 they went from she can't do an arm drag takedown, she can't take a bump, she can't cut a promo, she looks like a mark, her makeup sucks. Where did her makeup, where does anybody's makeup go along the criteria of what, it's, what it takes to be a good professional wrestler in WWE? Huh? Seriously. Last time I checked, it was all about cutting promos, having charisma, having a pretty decent look because obviously it's a cosmetic business, but nothing out of the, nothing too crazy. And of course, having the in-ring ability. She's new at all this. I think she's just getting a lot of undeserved criticism. But I agree with you guys in that we're going to have that feel-good moment. Honestly, last week, I'll be honest with you, when I was formulating my picks over the course of the, you know a few weeks. The video I watched with Hunter and Stephanie, Ken, I liked it a lot. I liked the one the week before with Ronda and Kurt, but after watching the one with Steph and Hunter, I thought there was an outside chance that they'd win this match somehow. That it would, they'd, they'd win, but they would do it so that it didn't make Ronda look silly. It would, it, would, it would be at Kurt's expense. But, however, after what I saw Monday night with the way that they tried to portray Ronda as a killer by having Kurt kind of stop her from breaking um, – one of the girls from that group that means nothing on TV was uh, Absolution. I forget which one it was, but she was going to break her arm, and Kurt had to, like, stop her. No, 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 save it for Mania. Like, they portrayed her like some killer. It'd be stupid for her not to win her first match at WrestleMania. I think we're going to see some hijinks. I think it's going to be a big spectacle. It wouldn't surprise me if we got some appearances from other people in the match to kind of take away from the limitations that she has the limitations that Kurt has because of his, his health. And overall, I think it's going to be fun to watch, but I'm not expecting a classic by any means. She's a work in progress. I don't think it's a home run, but I do enjoy her contributions to the product so far. Yeah, I mean, it was like Kurt Angle was kimchi to Ronda Rousey's Kamala, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I'll tell you, you know, the one thing, I'll be honest, and, and look, I, I'm not going to get into her eye makeup. I mean, to me, it looked like she had pink eye. Um, it, it was a weird choice. But I, to me, anything you're going to be critical of with, with Rousey, um, you know, she's got a lot to learn, obviously. She, she's, she's going to be a big draw um, outside of the wrestling world. Uh, if, if I would criticize anything, I thought her interviews on ESPN were terrible. And, and I think for her to be successful moving forward, she has to get more like you're not Ronda Rousey the fighter anymore. You're you're not Ronda Rousey the the real tough guy. You know you're Ronda Rousey the sports entertainer. You're Ronda Rousey the character. You're out there like you're a face, and you're out there to put over WrestleMania, and you're being a bitch. <laughs> like that may have been great with MMA, and she may have had this like tough girl attitude with with reporters, but. I didn't think she came off well at all on ESPN. And that was where, like, say what you will about the other stuff in ring. She's got to learn that stuff. Promo stuff, she's got to get better at that. And, and I think she will. But when you're out and you're promoting WrestleMania, you're an ambassador for the company. And I didn't think she did a good job on ESPN endearing herself. Because ultimately, when you're a wrestler in the WWE and you're on ESPN, it's essentially a commercial to bring eyeballs that aren't necessarily wrestling fans to WrestleMania. And to me, if I wasn't a wrestling fan and I saw her on ESPN this past week, I'd be like, I must have bitch. You know? Like I, and, and that's where I think if you're going to be critical of her, I think she warrants some criticism right there, you know? But to me, I mean, when you look at wrestling and, you know, it, it's crazy, man. Like Ronda Rousey, 
She's she's never been in a wrestling match, and now she's she's making her debut at, at WrestleMania. When I look at WrestleMania, I'm sick and tired of these people who like don't don't wrestle all year or are part timers who don't put the work in the ring night in and night out and get a spot on the WrestleMania card. And oh wait, Daniel Bryan's coming back. Yes, put him on WrestleMania. <laughs> That's the IWC for you. And anyway, I mean, I'm psyched he's back. Um, you know, yada yada yada, fight for your dreams because then your dreams fight for you. Somehow, I, I don't like Shane McMahon. Like was dipped in the Lazarus pit because somehow he's been magically cured of diverticulitis. Dave, you brought it up last week. Um, the diverticulitis thing. I mean, look, there was a doctor that was on Busted Open this past week that said if he's in fact diagnosed with diverticulitis. His wrestling days are probably done. Um, I've had a hernia. Uh, if you look, if my hernia itself wasn't painful, the surgery was a son of a bitch. So if he had hernia surgery, in my humble opinion, ain't no way he's getting in the ring at WrestleMania. So a lot of this stuff, and I, I think if I'm if I'm quoting you correctly, Dave, you may have said insulting our intelligence. I, I think Shane McMahon yeah. coming back. Uh, this soon, and then putting out like he's got diverticulitis and a and a, a hernia, but he's going to be able to wrestle at Mania, um, is is an insult to our intelligence a bit. But but Dave, I still do think this is going to be an entertaining matchup, and the crowd is going to be hot with the return of Daniel Bryan. I think the match is secondary because of the fact he's returning. I mean, the people are going to go crazy. He comes out, you know, he, he does the yes. Like I said last week on our show, he's going to return to action in the very same building where he achieved his greatest career accomplishment, the WWE Championship at WrestleMania four years ago. I mean, it, talk about the the irony and the symbolism and, the, and uh, you know, in all that. Um, as far as the, the, di- the, the diverticulitis goes with Shane, I mean, there's some there's some reports out there that are saying that he is he's got he legitimately had that and the the hernia is legitimate and he's going to work through it and then eventually have the surgery. Now, part of me doesn't believe that, but the other part of me does because he's not a full-time wrestler. He's just a character on TV that wrestles maybe two and three times a year and gets physical. So, and because he's a McMahon, okay, and and Vince feels that he's a a drawing you know, he's a big draw for the company now because of what he did two years ago when he returned and, you know, how much how the ticket sales went up, uh, you know, for that WrestleMania in Dallas that, you know, that they got to, you know, kind of trudge him out there. What I find interesting is that, you know, if he's really injured, you're kind of defeating the purpose of protecting Daniel Bryan because if he's truly got a hernia issue and diverticulitis and you're going to have him go out there and maybe have a limited role in the match, then you know, you're defeating the purpose of protect, protecting Brian in his first match, which you made it a tag match to begin with, so you could protect him. So uh, I'm a little perplexed by it. I'm kind of interested to see what kind of route they're going to go. Do they do a, do they film an angle on the kickoff show where Owens and Zane take him out before the match? Or, um, you know, do they film something where WWE doctors don't let him be a part of the match and then Brian's got to find a partner? And then there's a mystery heading into the show with who's going to tag with him against Owens and Zayn, or is he going to have some sort of limited role where Owens and Zayn take him out during the match? And it's essentially a two on one handicap match. And Daniel Bryan comes back and, you know, comes out with a victory. Uh, I really don't know, but I'm kind of interesting to see how that all is going to play out. 
My prediction for this match, because of the stipulation, everyone says it's a layup, Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon, but I don't think so. I think Owens, I think keeping Shane in this match to eat the pinfall so that it doesn't make Daniel Bryan look bad in his debut match, I think that's brushes teeth. I think that's uh, I think that's going to be I think that's going to be the deciding factor there. I think Owens and Zayn are going to win this match and they're going to do it at the expense of Shane. Daniel Bryan's going to look good and do his stuff and yes, 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 the kicks and all that. He's going to, you know, he, they're going to make sure that he shines in this match, but at the end of the day, Owens and Zayn come back for the victory and they get one over on Shane McMahon and then this is how they write Shane off. Well, this is definitely an interesting match. And uh, full disclosure, one of my absolute best friends since childhood actually suffered from diverticulitis for a long time. Uh, and th- with the knowledge of what he went through, do I? is it possible that Shane has it and could wrestle? Yes. Uh, and I agree with Dave. It's be- probably because he's not full-time. If he was full-time, I'd say no way, Jose. He'd be on the shelf. But being that he is uh, a part-timer, yeah, I, I can I can buy it if if the uh, if it hasn't reached that stage yet because I, I also through my friend I also know the surgery and what's all involved in that and it's not pretty. But uh, that being said, Dave, you brought up an excellent point with keeping Shane in this match, kind of eat the pin, uh, just so Daniel Bryan doesn't look bad. But I'm going to go in a different direction. I agree with you that I think early on in the match. Zane and Owens are going to take, uh, pretty much take uh, Shane McMahon out of the equation. And then you have left with Daniel Bryan. Now, obviously, no one is going to want to see Daniel Bryan lose. But the story of Daniel Bryan has always been an underdog story. It's always been he's fighting from b- the bottom of the pile. So you're going to easily see a two-on-one match. And I think for his return to, to restart the story again, if he's going to be fully in earnest, uh, a full-time competitor, I think you start off just like, just like before. The man's an underdog. It's two-on-one odds. He's fighting against every – it's him against the world, and he's going to do it. I think you're going to see Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon come out on top because Daniel Bryan beats two guys somehow – and gets the victory. And all righty, well, coming to me, and I'm going to agree with Dave. I I think, and also I think Rocky bring up some good points, like the underdog. I think suffering a loss um, in the place where he had his most crowning achievement is is definitely Daniel Bryan starting that road back up and and being the underdog. So. Um, I, I agree. I think Shane's there to eat the pin. Um, Shane will, um, you know, maybe there'll be some friction there. You should have never come back. You can't wrestle. Look at the diverticulitis. You're, you're half a man or, or something there. But uh, I, I think there's something where I agree with you, Dave. I think everyone's looking at it as a slam dunk for Daniel Bryan, but Daniel Bryan doesn't need uh, the win. Uh, he doesn't need, he'll get the, the yes chance. Um, this will, if Daniel Bryan loses this, uh, continues to add to the heat for, for Zane and, and Owens. Uh, they get their jobs back. So, um, you know, I love what Owens and Zane are doing because they are bonafide throwback heels. This will continue to get them heat. Um, I don't, when I look at the storytelling, I, I just don't look at, I, I think the, the, 
depth in storytelling right now is for Owens and Zayn to emerge victorious. I don't like, so what? Daniel Bryan wins again. It, it, he doesn't win a title. He keeps Zayn and Owens fired. Um, it doesn't do much for me when I look at moving forward. Owens and Zayn winning to me. Uh, we can have Owens, Daniel Bryan. We have Zayn, Daniel Bryan. There's lots of stuff we can do moving forward. So Owens and Sami Zayn, 3-7-8-3-8-9-8-1-5 is the number to call. It's time for our WrestleMania throwback, part two. Take it away, Dave. It's story time, class, and I present you part two of my pay-per-view throwback retrospective entitled Bourbon Street Mania Then and Now. WrestleMania returns to New Orleans in the Superdome for the 34th installment, and I wanted to take you back to the last time I was in attendance at a WrestleMania, probably the best WrestleMania I've ever attended. This night is remembered on a number of fronts, so allow me to be your tour guide down memory lane as we kick things off. Entering the packed stadium, I was eagerly anticipating this particular event. Growing up a huge Hulkamaniac, I never thought in my wildest imaginings that I would get to see Hulk Hogan appear at a WrestleMania event. The man who shaped WrestleMania to what it is today, the man who defined my wrestling fandom as a child, would be part of this mega event in 2014. You could tell. I was pretty pumped. The night opened with a fatal four-way tag team match as the Usos wowed the crowd with a fantastic opening bout, retaining their tag team championships in the kickoff show against Los Matadores, Ryback and Curtis Axel, and the Real Americans of Cesaro and Swagger. The tag team scene in 2014 was starting to build a foundation of prominence that had continued to grow to this very day with the Usos at the helm. The brothers are in a similar predicament at Mania this year when they defend their tag team gold against the New Day and the Bludgeon Brothers in a triple threat match. Hopefully after proving themselves these past few years, this time around, the Usos will be able to strut their stuff on the main card and put their days on the WrestleMania kickoff shows behind them, locked in the Uso penitentiary. The main card then opened up with what I would like to call a WrestleMania torch-passing moment to the new era in WWE, as three of the biggest names in the history of the industry shared a ring together at WrestleMania, as the host, Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and The Rock all reminisced on their WrestleMania accomplishments while creating new WrestleMania memories inside the Silver... I mean the Superdome, (laughs) brothers. This big kid marked out like a millennial receiving their tax return for doing nothing all year making this moment for me the coolest moment I've ever been a part of in all my years of wrestling fandom. Will this year's WrestleMania bear witness to some legends or Hall of Famers of the past soaking in the nostalgia and creating another mania moment? We will just have to wait and find out. Things heated up as Triple H looked to bury the Yes Movement and Daniel Bryan. For a near 30 minutes, these two excited the sold-out Superdome in a technical wrestling contest. Despite his dominance throughout the bout, Triple H underestimated the ultimate underdog, resulting in a Daniel Bryan victory and earning his spot in the main event later that evening. Triple H returns to WrestleMania and New Orleans with a new vendetta as he teams with his wife Stephanie McMahon for the first time ever at a WrestleMania to take on Kurt Angle and MMA legend and female athlete pioneer Ronda Rousey in her debut match in WWE. Will 2018 be a familiar scene of embarrassment for the authority as they suffered in 2014? The Shield. They made quick work of Corporate Kane and the New Age Outlaws in just under a minute. This time around, the Outlaws are no more. Corporate Kane is running for mayor in Tennessee. And The Shield, they're on a different path. But more importantly, Seth Rollins, who looks to add Intercontinental title gold 
to his impressive checklist when, oh, excuse me, sorry about that. When he faces Miz and Finn Balor in a triple threat encounter. Since 2014, Rollins has had an interesting run of his own. He captured the WWE title on two separate occasions, including a startling Money in the Bank cash-in at WrestleMania 31 the following year. The momentum from that victory may not pale in comparison to a potential victory for him at Mania this year, but the real question is, if he were to become the Intercontinental Champion, will he live up to the prestige that The Miz helped revive in that long-running championship? The inaugural Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal was on deck with a crowded ring of talents looking to stand out. The Battle Royal antics from Kofi Kingston was on full display as he managed to find another way to stay away from elimination with both his feet, or should I say his toes, gracing the edge of the ring steps. The big moment in this match came as the superhuman strength displayed by Cesaro when he lifted the Big Show over his head, over the top rope, with both feet hitting the floor for the win, which had the entire stadium on its feet. Whose crowning moment will emanate during this match? My pick? Well, I said it earlier, it was Big Cass, but if it's not Big Cass, anybody except Mojo Raleigh. Maybe a few <laughs> surprise returns from a name like a Samoa Joe. Maybe some Hall of Fame appearances from members of this year's class that will write the fairy tale Hall of Fame ending to this battle royal. Or what about a reincarnated Bray Wyatt? Or should I say, Woken Wyatt? A victory in the World Wonder Number 8 Giant of Andre Royal Battle could be just what the doctor ordered for the former eater of worlds. Far cry from where he was in 2014 when he made his Mania debut against John Cena, a match that was highly anticipated by many due to the fact that Bray's character was something fresh and new to the product, something different that opposed the stereotypical WWE wrestler, the poster boy, John Cena. A clash of polar opposites made for an exciting physical bout that had the WWE Universe in an uproar when Cena came out the victor. I'm betting that same uproar will be heard regardless of wins or losses when Cena squares off with The Undertaker at this year's WrestleMania. That's if Undertaker does something about it. As fans began to calm down following the Cena victory over Wyatt, they were in for a hell of a treat with this next match as Brock Lesnar faced The Undertaker. The 21-0 streak was on the line in this match as fans inside the Superdome were ready to witness history in the making. question was, what side of history were they going to see? From my perspective, not knowing at the time The Undertaker was hurt, I remember this match to be well, quite boring. Aside from both men's entrances, I remember sitting with my brothers even saying that this match just wasn't doing it for me. And then things changed as Brock landed a number of F5s with the final one being the one we all remember. After hearing the final count and the referee hitting that one, two, three, the entire stadium stood in awe as the day we all dreaded had finally come. The Undertaker's WrestleMania undefeated streak was broken at the hands of Brock Lesnar. I remember looking around trying to see other people's reactions, confirming that they too are witnessing the same event that I was watching with my very own eyes. The silence in that building was ironically deafening, as much of an oxymoron as that may sound. Time literally Stood still, not to turn this into a cliche, but it's the truth. Once the 21 and one graphic hit the video screen, and after the long pause from the ring announcer, turned into an official announcement of the winner of this contest, finally confirming what many of us didn't want to believe, an overwhelming outpouring wave of emotions took over as fans in attendance were not happy with what they just watched. With the lights dimming as a somber undertaker made his way back up the ramp, the wrestling world was witnessing history they thought they would never see. 
The gunslinger of the WWE has finally fallen on the grand stage at WrestleMania. Ironically enough, this year's Mania is home to the site where the day the streak had died. Last year, Undertaker laid down his hat, coat, and gloves, metaphorically signaling, signaling that his time had ended. But what about this year? What does an Undertaker loss to John Cena signal inside the very same building that his coveted WrestleMania streak ended? Is New Orleans the final wrestling place for The Undertaker at WrestleMania 34? With Cena's career outside of WWE taking up much of his time these days, does this signal his days in WWE are numbered as well? Regardless of the outcome, a WrestleMania match that has been years in the making could symbolize someone's beginning and someone's end when it's all said and done. Brock Lesnar, on the other hand, has been on a professional high since this victory. In hindsight, he was the perfect guy to handle the weight of ending this streak. This victory catapulted his stock within WWE tenfold. That's what WWE is hoping to capitalize on with a potential victory for his opponent, Roman Reigns. Since 2015 and their colossal showdown at Mania 31, WWE management has always focused their storylines around these two, but keeping them far apart from one another. Reigns has been more of the pet project in this case, as Brock is a part-timer. He's not going to stick around forever, and Reigns, in their minds, is the future. Fans, they're not going to agree, and I'm sure we'll get to hear that from them during this match whenever Reigns gets the upper hand. However, what we will see is a definitive winner. The WrestleMania 31 encounter interrupted by Seth Rollins and his Money in the Bank cash-in. Rollins spoiled the fun cashing in his WWE title opportunity and leaving Levi Stadium WWE champion. This year, I don't expect lightning to strike twice. With Brock rumored to be leaving WWE, how does WWE write the final chapter to this exciting rivalry? I personally loved, loved their WrestleMania 31 match, and I hope and expect this match to be a very physical, hard-hitting match living up to their last encounter. Now, after this shocking outcome, the ladies of WWE have the tall task of trying to follow that emotional match. Fans still outraged by The Undertaker's loss expressed their displeasure all throughout the course of this match as AJ Lee successfully defended the Divas title in a 14-woman free-for-all kind of a match, with many fans, including myself, not really caring what took place. We just wanted our main event to come already. Fast forward four years later, and the ladies of WWE are no afterthought. This year's card will feature four matches involving women on the WrestleMania show. Charlotte defends her SmackDown women's title against female Royal Rumble winner Asuka. On the Raw side, Alexa Bliss defends the Raw women's title against her former best friend Nia Jax. As I made mention earlier, Ronda Rousey will take part in that all-star mixed tag match with Kurt Angle opposing Stephanie McMahon and her husband Triple H in her WWE debut match. And to round things out, for the female competitors from Raw, SmackDown, and possibly NXT, a WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal. Four years later, in the role of women, the role that women play in WWE inside the ring is in a much better place than the match we saw four years ago. Now we've reached our main event. Daniel Bryan, banged up and bruised, entered the triple threat title match against Batista and champion Randy Orton. The Yes movement was clearly behind Bryan with hopes that the culmination of all the hard work and dedication to his craft would finally pay off for him. Greatest story it was to see him climb to the top. The payoff in watching him win was just as satisfying. An entire stadium chanting yes as confetti confetti littered down from the sky with Daniel Bryan holding the title and reaching the pinnacle of the industry was quite the moment to see. Truly a storybook moment unfolded in front of my eyes, and I couldn't have been happier. 
I may be a sucker for feel-good moments in wrestling, and you can make fun of me if you like, but that moment capped off a fantastic WrestleMania event to be a part of and confirmed to me why I have such a strong passion for this as a fan. Not that I needed the confirmation by any means, but the moment just made me feel good. Which brings me to this year. The leader of the Yes Movement returns to action at WrestleMania 34 to vanquish the Sammy and Kevin show. The electricity in that building will be off the charts when he steps foot in that ring. The match, like I said earlier, it's secondary. It's the fact that he's returning to the same venue where he reached his highest career achievement in 2014 is what's got me pumped. I'm very jealous I won't be there in attendance this time around to feel what I felt in 2014. One question I do have is, will this year's WWE Championship match top the championship match from WrestleMania 30? From a storytelling aspect, I don't believe that to be the case, as this year's match certainly doesn't hold a candle to the emotion that that match in 2014 evoked. AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura will no doubt create their own special WrestleMania moment that will stand out. In some ways, it already has. WWE has always been known to be the land of the giants. Styles and Nakamura, from a cosmetic point of view, are not your typical WWE superstars. They're not six foot four, 265 pounds. They represent the hardcore fan, not your casual WWE fan. So to see them in such a high-profile match at a WrestleMania for the title is something not many fans, casual or hardcore, expected to see. I don't care who wins. I just hope we see a great match. And on that note, I think it's about time that we wrap things up. Thank you all for joining me for this edition of the Pay-Per-View Throwback Retrospective. I hope you all enjoyed the journey as much as I did telling it. Enjoy WrestleMania 34. I hope it lives up to your expectations. But just remember, it's wrestling. Try not to overanalyze the show and just be a fan. It's okay to like things others may not like. That's the beauty of wrestling. Class dismissed. Great stuff, as always. And you're right, man. I'm excited to get down there. And, you know, we made a pact the past uh, couple of years of just going there and being a fan. And as much as we will analyze and overanalyze uh, this bad boy tonight, um, once we walk into that stadium, like, we are just going to mark out and enjoy ourselves. And that's what we're looking forward to. So let's get back into it. Um, I, you know, let's hit some of these matches. I mean, we're about halfway through, so we've got our work cut out for us. Uh, Raw Tag Team Championship. Honestly, I look at this as, like, Simple storytelling. This is to put Strowman over, get Strowman a partner, doesn't matter who, win the titles, go a little while with the titles, dissension in the ranks, they split up, Strowman vanquishes whoever his, his former partner is, keeps him away from the heavyweight championship, the universal title, or the WWE title for a chunk of time, which I think is smart with his character. It doesn't matter who his partner is. Strowman emerges victorious. This is a vehicle to continue to build the big man. Uh, I agree with you, and I have my prediction on who that uh, TVD partner is going to be, and I always had good luck with TVD. I think it's going to be the new Woken Bray Wyatt, that they've been associated before, and I'll get into the logic of that later, but I agree with you. Braun Strowman and TVD for the win, new title, new tag team title holders. Your thoughts, Dave? I disagree with you both. I don't think Strowman and whoever he tags with is going to win the titles. I think if that happens, it kind of devalues the Raw Tag Team Championship and what the bar has done as a big part of that Raw Tag Team division. I think whomever his partner is going to be, the two of them are going to have some dissension leading to their, leading to their loss with the bar taking the victory. Who I pick to be his partner? Samoa Joe. 
I think the two of them are just going to, they're going to kick ass in the beginning, but something's going to take place and something's going to awake one monster and the other one's not going to be happy about it. And the two of them are just going to, they're going to go at it and the bar is going to capitalize on it for the victory. Interesting. So retention and, and two new tag team champions. Uh, let's move to the other tag team championship. I think this is a, a potential show stealer. Um, I love the Usos. Um, Rock, you want to kick it off with you? What do you think of this tag team matchup? Well, I agree. It, it definitely has potential to steal the show. The, the Usos and the New Day always put on a great, great match. And now you have the, uh, the variable of the Bludgeoned Brothers. God, I do hate the name, but they still are a great tag team. And following my earlier logic, I'm actually, for this match, going to go with the Bludgeon Brothers. Out of all three of these teams, they are the one team that truly could use the title to elevate their position right now. Uh, The Usos are obviously great. New Day, obviously great. Neither of them need the belts. I think the Bludgeon Brothers. There you have the former Wyatt family all holding tag team championship belts. And your thoughts, Dave? Um, show stealing match for sure. I hope this makes it to the main card. I hope this doesn't go on the kickoff show just because, not, and not to be a whiny little fan like the rest of you guys are on the internet, but I, I, I want them to be on the main card because they deserve it. And I think opening the main show of WrestleMania with these three teams will definitely do that for them. Um, Usos have been at the top of the heap. New Day's had, you know, their successful runs with the tag team titles before. But to build up the Bludgeon Brothers as these monsters, these killers that have just been kind of mowing through everybody, only for them to come up short at WrestleMania, I think would be a big disappointment. So I'm going to agree with Rock, and I think the Bludgeon Brothers walk away with the SmackDown tag team titles. Interesting. I'm going to disagree. On the grandest stage of them all, as they etch their place in wrestling history, I think the Usos are able to vanquish both these foes and are able to retain the tag team championships at WrestleMania. So I'm going to go with the Usos. And again, a potential show-stealing matchup. As we move on, let's look at the ladies, man, because I think both ladies' matches are really intriguing And I love the juxtaposition of the two matches, the way they've had Alexa Bliss, Nia Jax, a very personal storyline. This is a match of two best friends. Nia Jax, not the character that necessarily would go after Alexa Bliss for a WrestleMania match because they're besties falling out. Simple storytelling. It works. Charlotte and Asuka, different story. Best versus best. Charlotte's got the belt. Asuka wants it. Um, so I think it's cool the way they, they told, you know, both ladies championship matches are on the line, but yet they're telling very different stories going into this. And, and when I look at the two matches, um, the easiest one for me to pick is, is Charlotte versus Oscar. I, I think it, it's pretty easy. I think Oscar's streak continues and, and honestly, and I've heard rumblings of this wouldn't shock me if we see Ronda Rousey begin a streak of her own, and we look at next year's WrestleMania, the undefeated champion in Asuka and the undefeated challenger in Ronda Rousey going at it at WrestleMania for that ladies' championship belt. I'm fantasy booking more than a year away, but I think that's the simple one to pick. Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax, not so much. Um, But when I look at these two, I am so impressed with what Alexa Bliss has done 
um, over over time. I wouldn't have pegged her as a not using the WWE term superstar, using like regular English like a superstar. Um, I, I think she's been incredible. I personally think this story has has some legs. As much as my gut reaction is to go, Nia Jax wins that belt at, at WrestleMania. I think she comes up short. I think the the little bitch like somehow figures out a way to weasel out and walks out of Mania with that championship belt. So I'm going to go with the two ladies matches. Oscar's an easy one for me. The other match, not so much, but I'm going to go with Alexa Bliss retaining one retention, uh, one new champion. Dave, your thoughts? I'm going to one-up you on this, and I'm going to make a prediction that we're going to see a money in the bank cash in at WrestleMania. I think Carmella is going to cash in her money in the bank, but I don't think it's going to be successful. And I'm not quite sure which title she's going to cash in on. It doesn't say she can only cash in on the SmackDown live women's title. And it is WrestleMania. It is fair game. Usually when it's a co co co-branded event. So I'm predicting, I'm predicting Carmella to cash in her money in the bank unsuccessfully she will lose her money in the bank to whom well i'm not quite sure let's pick let's pick our poison shall we on the raw side i'm kind of right there with you ken i think there's some legs with this nia jackson alexa bliss story and i could see alexa bliss taking the victory stealing one from her however i feel like nia has been clawing her way through the competition. She had that great match with Asuka at Elimination Chamber a while back. She had a great match the following week against Asuka on Raw, and she's just come up short every single time, and I think WrestleMania is her time. So I think Nia Jax will be the new Raw Women's Champion, and I think she will be the female that the WWE always needs a demographic for something, and I think she will be the new female demographic for plus-size women and plus-size athletes along with, you know, talking about discrimination and bullying and things like that. They want someone to represent, you know, the, the, the positives that come from all that stuff. And I think she does that. And I think she'll be that person for them. On the SmackDown side, Charlotte and Oscar is going to be a great match. But um, I don't think I, – I, honestly – Oscar won the Royal Rumble, the first female Royal Rumble winner. Um, I feel like the first female Royal Rumble, Royal Rumble winner has to win the title at WrestleMania. So, Oscar for the victory and new SmackDown Live Women's Champ. So, either one of those two could put a cherry on top of the Sunday by stopping a Carmella Cashin and making a bigger WrestleMania moment by stopping that and winning the title in the same breath. So, that's where I stand with that. And from both of you, I am actually going to agree with Dave, Uh, even with the cash-in. And I'll do one little bit up on that cash-in. I think that Carmella is going to try to cash on Asuka because you want to establish her as as a truly dominant force that she is. She's going to fend off Charlotte in what's going to be potentially match of the night. And then you're gonna you're gonna hear the music. She's gonna try to waffle Oscar with that case and cash in. But somehow she's I agree with Dave that she is going to fail. Uh, also, as far as Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss, I love the buildup. The buildup was great. I, I loved uh, Nia being just so angry and showing off that rage and being able to plow through things. 
it's going to be a, it's going to be a good match, but I think it is Nia Jax's time. So I think you're going to see two title changes here: Nia Jax, the new Raw Women's Champion, and Asuka with the SmackDown Women's Championship belt. And I'll also, I'll agree with both of you. Uh, I can see a cash in. I mean, it's, it's, they have to. I mean, they they just got to do it. And um, I could see it being unsuccessful as well. I think there's there's too much at stake. Um, uh, to me, Carmella has not evolved into a star. Um, and all the, I mean, the four ladies that are in these matches, they all deserve to walk out of Mania as as champion and, and move forward with this ladies movement. I'm not sure if Carmella's ready to be the main event female type role. So I see her being unsuccessful. Moving on, speaking of titles, let's look at Randy Orton as the champion, Bobby Roode, Jinder Mahal, Rusev, fatal four-way for the U.S. championship. You know, I don't know about you guys, but when I looked at this matchup, when it was a three-way, I was like, huh, interesting. And I was kind of debating in my head who I was going to pick. When it became a fatal four-way, Rusev Day is so over right now <laughs> that immediately I was like, Rusev's winning this match. Like, my pick became so easy that I was like, yeah, it's so over. He deserves it. It's been organically built. To me, like, just go with it. The crowd will pop huge. I, I think this is, a, this is a WrestleMania where you're going to have the crowd hot for the bulk of the night. Why not get them hot for Rusev Day? To me, Rusev, your new U.S. champion. Uh, this, this match is a pretty tough pick for me. Um, I love the match. Uh, each, each competitor absolutely deserves uh, to have that belt on their shoulder. Uh, you know, Rude, Jinder, Rusev. Uh, for me, it's tough because I, while I am a fan of Rusev Day, I don't know, with that uh, being so over, I don't know if he actually needs the belt. He's getting over by himself. He doesn't need it. If any one of these four competitors need a championship, I'm going to have to go with Jinder. Um, I know he's been campaigning for that belt for a long time, and out of all of those competitors, in order to be over, I think you need Jinder as a champion. Uh, Rusev is clawing his way up. Rude is Bobby Rude, and Orton is Orton. You know, that's that's going to be my pick. I think Jinder needs that belt. And your thoughts, Dave? I disagree with you, Rock. I don't think Jinder needs that belt because he's already been the WWE champion. I think Bobby Roode, more so than anything, needs that title because he had a cup of coffee with it. And I like the story that they've kind of built with Roode in the sense that he's he's been playing the nice guy for so long. And, you know, Orton and even Jinder have gotten the better of him. And I feel... A loss for Bobby Roode is going to be a big turning point post-WrestleMania for him in the same manner that I had mentioned with Finn Balor for the Intercontinental Championship. So with that being said, it's a no-brainer. WrestleMania is Rusev Day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you. I think that Bobby Roode definitely needs something, and – I'd like to see a change in the character. I'm going to enjoy that entrance. Uh, that that entrance oh, is going to be lots, lots of fun. It's going to be yes, glorious. glorious. Um, all right, let's. God, we we made some good time. We got a uh, three. We got about a half hour. We got well, four matches left. So let, let's get into these these matches. And I'm going to go right now with. Uh, let's go with the universal title match. 
Let's go there. Ooh. And I'm I'm excited for this matchup. And IWC, be damned! Because I love the story these two told in the ring in San Jose. I dug Roman like, yeah, keep beating. Beat on me all you want. I'm going to laugh at you. I, I thought it was awesome. I thought the storytelling was great. And in all honesty, the cash-in was great. And the stadium popped. People were, I mean, literally jumping in the aisles. That being said, there's a sliver of me that was disappointed because I would have liked to have seen how Brock and Roman would have ended one-on-one. I loved the story that those two told in the ring that night. I thought it was brilliant bell-to-bell storytelling. You don't need to do 72 dip-de-doo-wop-a-loo-baloos over the top rope. You can tell a storyline just beating the ever-loving shit out of each other. And that's what those two guys did. There was, it was a hard-hitting, brutal matchup with a character that refused to give up. It was, it was just a well-done story. I'm looking forward to this matchup. Dave, your thoughts on this match? Well, I'm right there with you, man. You were there to see it, but, like, I watched it at home. That was the first Mania I hadn't gone to. And, like, that's the only WrestleMania so far since I haven't been traveling to these much that I'm jealous I didn't go to because that whole show was just awesome. And, and that match especially, the story that was told, I mean, going into that match, you had so many different variables that, that made you wonder what was going to happen in that match with Brock's contract coming to an end. And then the Tuesday before Mania on SportsCenter, he re-signs. And then the IWC doesn't want to see Roman be the champion. And then there's that talk of Rollins possibly cashing in. So you had that in the back of your mind. And Reigns had, had basically become the internet wrestling community whipping boy um, heading into that match. You know, poor guy. But the, the, the presentation on television, like, I don't know what it was like for you there, but, like, the presentation on television for me, like, and this term gets thrown around so much. I'm so sick and tired of Michael Cole saying it every week. It's a big fight feel. Like, that match was a big fight feel. I mean, and I know that they didn't plan it this way. I didn't know that they – I don't think that they planned it this way in Roman's entrance. But when he came down through the crowd and he had, like, real cops from the local San Jose area escorting him into the ring, it kind of had that Goldberg vibe for me. Like, when Goldberg would come through the locker room and he'd have, all like, 40 cops escort him to the ring. Like, it had that feel that, like, this is a bad man coming to the ring and he's about to do some damage. And then, of course, Brock comes out with Paul Heyman and – you know, the, the, the physicality the, that they had. The, the, oh, I can't tell you enough how much I love that match and the, the ending of it with Rollins cashing in I thought was great. I would have been fine if Rollins didn't cash in, but that was like the cherry on top of the Sunday for me. And I expect nothing less from these two in, in this match at WrestleMania next week. Hard-hitting, physical affair. The crowd's going to be electric, whether they crap all over Roman or they crap all over Brock because Brock's leaving. It's just going to... It's going to bring a cool electricity and a cool atmosphere as a presentation as a viewer. And I'm sure you're going to feel it differently being in that stadium. But for me, like, this is the match I am most looking forward to is the main event because I feel the buildup to this match has been awesome with the, 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 you know, the, 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 the drawing the lines of what's real and, 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 and what's pretend with the, the Lesnar and his contract issues and Roman kind of calling him out for that and then not showing up for a few weeks. And then he comes out and he beats the crap out of Reigns for two weeks in a row. Like, I just think everything's been good about this. 
the internet, you can lynch me. I really don't care because, once again, you're not smart. Your opinion doesn't matter. This match is going to be, in my opinion, the match that it quite possibly could steal the show, in my opinion. And I'm going out on a limb here. I'm sure I'm going to get lynched by all the idiots over at Saw, but it's the truth. My pick, Roman freaking Reigns wins the Universal title. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, you know, and you bring up a real good point about it being a big fight feel. Um, I'm lucky, and I'll be the first to admit it. I've been to 10 WrestleManias. This is going to be my 11th. Um, I don't, number one, that was my favorite live. That was, it was tremendous. I mean, the NWO in in the middle there, um, Rollins and Orton. I mean, that was, it was a great show, top to bottom. A uh, little biased to be in the 49er stadium. So there was that aspect of things, but I'll tell you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head and, and, you know, we, I love bashing the IWC more on it. It's just so much fun, but, but it, I'll be honest with you. Like I was in new Orleans, you know, and I get it. And the yes movement and everything else. And that was great. And it was fun. And then I got caught up in it. I'm not the biggest Daniel Bryan fan, but I'm going to mark out. My finger's going to be in the air chanting. Yes. Did not have a big fight feel. Didn't. I would say, honestly, as big as they were, Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker that, that night at WrestleMania 30, to me, didn't really have a big fight feel. But there was just something in the air that night that it was, it was almost tangible. You could, you could cut, a, cut it with a knife that, like, the whole stadium, it just, there was this tension. It really had this very real big fight feel to it. I, I mean, they, yeah, it, was like, it was tangible. It, it, and it's something that, I can't describe, I, I don't know why, but there, there was this electricity in the air that, yeah, Michael Cole, I mean, every, every goddamn WrestleMania, big fight feel, and this is the greatest one ever. Shut the hell up. It's not. That's why you get to be the best one ever, because that's something that's unique when it finally freaking happens. Um, so I'm so excited to see these two go at it. I agree with you. I'm a hard-hitting wrestling-type fan. I like seeing that stuff. I'm not a spot fan. And that's why when we went over this card, I think there's something for everybody on this card, whether you're a spot guy, an IWC guy, a hard-hitting guy, there's something on this card for everybody. Um, I'm excited to see this match go to fruition. I hope they don't do anything screwy. I don't want to see a run-in. I don't want to see anything. I just want to see these two. And Maybe there's something wrong with me. Um, I just want to see these two beat the shit out of each other. That's what I'm looking forward to. That's what these two men can deliver on. Hard-hitting, just brutal matchup. And that being said, Roman Reigns, your new Universal Champion. Well, yeah, I agree with both of you. I am so looking forward to this match. This is going to be, uh, you know, IWC be damned, as we've all have said. <laughs> this match is going to blow the roof off the place. Uh, I, I think the physicality of this match can be quantified in the last interaction you saw with Brock and Roman. When Roman beat Brock with that chair and bent it, and then in the same vein, right shortly afterwards, when Brock got the upper hand, when he looks at the bent chair, and, and you can almost hear him say, screw it, throws the chair on the freaking mat, stomps it flat, and picks it up and beats the crap out of Roman with it. These guys are, they're going to leave it all out on the table there. It's going to be left all out on the table at WrestleMania. They are going to beat the ever-living hell out of each other. I would not be surprised if we see some color. I would not be shocked with the with the forces behind the blows that these guys are, are going to throw at each other. 
And, you know, that being said, like the first time these guys interacted, the first match, I, I agree with you, Ken, the, the running was perfect. The run, you know, you couldn't write it any better with a, uh, with a money in the bank holder in Seth Rollins. But I would have loved to have seen the conclusion of that. And I think you're going to see it now. And I think it's going to be freaking great. And whether the IWC likes it or not, I think the crowd is going to be behind it after they watch these two go at it. And at the end of the day, when the dust settles, I agree with you. You're going to have your champion in Roman freaking reign. It's interesting because being in that stadium in San Jose – and, and fans are, you know, I mean, I don't know. It just becomes a thing that it becomes trendy to, to crap on somebody. The crowd was getting behind Reigns. The story that was being told, you could feel it in there that the crowd was just like, here's a man that is taking an absolute beating, and he refuses to keep his shoulders down for that three. And that was, and you could feel it, and you could feel as much the crowd wanted to crap all over him when it started, the crowd was turning. Then after that match, like, oh, it's time to crap on Roman again, you know. Like, it was like, there was no equity from, from that point on. You're not getting the, kick, the shit kicked out of you? Yeah, man. It, but, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm looking for, and I agree with you. I wouldn't be, you know, there's a rumor circling that there's a policy, like, no color um, this weekend in WrestleMania. And I saw that on the dirt sheets, but. Um, Did you see that? I, I, I honestly think that Brock Lesnar does not know how to sell. So, he has to really hit his head. I, I think he actually does it. Like, if I'm going to be – like, Brock is thinking, if I'm going to get thrown into the post and I have to sell being hurt, I don't know what it's like to be hurt. So I'm going to have to – I have to legitimately slam my head into the post because now I'm not acting. Now I, I'm actually hurt, which is why it wouldn't – yeah, exactly. Oh, that's what that feels like. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we, we get some color. We'll get some color the hard way. There's going to be no blading in this match. No, You're going to no, get no, actual absolutely. them going the hard way. So hat trick, Roman Reigns. Universal champion. And with that being said, let's go to the other championship match. I shouldn't say the other. Like, that's so, like, dismissive. But it is the WWE championship match. Uh, a match that, look, man, we're all hard-hitting fans. I'm looking forward to Brock Reigns. Um, AJ Styles, Nakamura, not necessarily my cup of tea as far as wrestlers that I would gravitate to. But in a short time period, AJ Styles, you wonder what creative was doing in TNA with him. Um, he's better on the mic. He's better in the ring. We had shows, you know, I, I, you know, I spoke into this microphone and we talked about how, you know, AJ Styles is stale as talented as he was in TNA. I'm bored with him. I am not bored with him. He is, he is fallen into being a WWE wrestler really well. He's adapted to the WWE style. Um, so as much as, Style-wise, he's not a guy that I would gravitate to. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of AJ. Um, I think Nakamura's given us some stuff uh, as far as, uh, you know, more on the microphone. Um, he's getting a little bit better. Uh, some of his facial expressions, I still, like, what, 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 are you, what is that? What, I can't even, wait, wait what? Um, it's interesting that I think Nakamura's kind of taking a, a little more of the heel role. Um, he's been heel-ish. I mean, if you had to... You have to look at this matchup and split it up and say, who's the face, who the heel is. Nakamura would be the heel in this matchup. They're obviously both faces, but I think Nakamura is kind of taking a little bit of an edge, which honestly leading up to this, not a Nakamura fan. I'm more into him now. Um, not to say I'm still not really a, a big Nakamura fan, but it's at least giving the character purpose, which has allowed me to enjoy the character a little bit more. I think this is a potential show stealer. 
Um, you know, in the same vein of a, a macho man, Ricky Steamboat kind of show stealer. Um, let's kick it off with you, Dave. What are your thoughts on this match? Um, I feel like the dream match scenario is the match that sells itself. Um, these two men, people know, and even casual WWE fans know of the history these two have from their match in the Tokyo Dome for New Japan Pro Wrestling a few years ago. I think it's been alluded to in some roundabout kind of way. But the, the chemistry the two of them have together um, speaks for itself. I really feel like the buildup for this match has flown under the radar, but it's not a bad thing for me because we know what we're going to get with the two of them, okay? We're going to get two guys that are just going to go out there and quite possibly steal the show. I said in the, in the last match, Reigns and Lesnar could potentially steal the show, but that's in a different way. Styles and Nakamura, I think, can steal the show in their very own way. Um, I feel like there doesn't need to be anything too over the top when it comes to the storytelling between these two. Like, you know, hokey sports entertainment type storylines. Like, you know, I'm not expecting Nakamura to come out to, to have an issue with AJ Styles because you make fun of my English, I give you a you say awesome. I can complete a sentence, I give you need to face. Like, I don't expect, like, a buildup for that match. Like, I don't expect it to go that route. There are people out there that are like, well, they're not really given. Like, I've seen message boards. I shouldn't even say message boards. Like, chat groups and on social media. And it's like, well, there's, you know, we know the match is going to steal the show. But, come on, give us a good buildup. Like, you don't need a good buildup. Like, we complained years ago when Booker T and Edge had a WrestleMania match predicated on who got a shampoo endorsement. You know what I mean? Like we complained about that. Now we're now we're giving you what you want. You're getting the match, high profile, and you're still going to complain that the buildup's not good enough. I don't think there needs to be a whole lot to be built up for this match. But here's where I think people are missing the boat with this. Okay. Ever since Nakamura won the Royal Rumble and he picked AJ to face for the championship, AJ's had a little bit of a tough road being involved in the, the power struggle on SmackDown with Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. And, um, but Nakamura has been, like, overly confident that he's going to beat AJ with the knee-to-face. But <laughs> it's, start, it's starting the to get The police is going to be calling soon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's that? I said the PC police is going to be after us soon. Oh, whatever. That's probably one of those assholes <laughs> on Saw, a bunch of hypocrites. Anyhow, so, yeah, I'm sure it's one of them, too. Anyhow, um, I don't – where was I going here before? <laughs> the the buildup is flown under the radar, but I think that, like, I think it's been done for a reason. I think people don't really see it, but, like, he's overly confident he's going to be AJ. And now it's starting to get to AJ. You can see week by week it's starting to build up. And now I'm starting to see that I don't think AJ is 100% confident that he can beat Nakamura. I think Nakamura is taunting him for, for the psychological warfare to throw him off his game for the match at Mania. I think AJ is going to do something desperate to keep that title. I think it's going to be a great match. And the fact that this match is happening at a WrestleMania for the WWE Championship is a big enough accomplishment in and of itself because I'm sure the three of us can sit here all in agreement and say when the two of them entered WWE two years ago, nobody thought they would be 
competing at a WrestleMania against one another for the WWE Championship, the top prize in all of WWE. That's accomplishment in and of itself. And I think that's also a part of this buildup as well that people really don't understand and see. My prediction, like I said, AJ's going to do something desperate to keep that title, whether he cheats or whether he gets some interference maybe from his old Bullet Club buddies, Anderson and Gallows. AJ Styles is leaving WrestleMania with the WWE title. I, I you know, I love all, all the points you made. It's funny because when this um, when this match was booked, and again, it's funny because when you look at like like we talked about with the ladies' matches, and and you juxtapose like one's a a personal kind of storyline, and one was a challenger versus champion, and and that's the story that's told in wrestling. There's championships, and you should want a championship. And as much as Roman Reigns wants the championship, the Brock Lesnar Roman Reigns storyline has been a, a a drawn out. I don't mean that negatively, but a drawn out like personal storyline. Even though there's a belt involved, there's still there's there's personalities, there's, there's personal uh, digs at each other. They, these guys have met at WrestleMania before. It's a long-standing storyline. This story is just number one contender going after the championship. It's, it's, they kept it simple, which is smart. Um, you know, some of Nakamura's stuff, like, I'm glad they kept it simple because if he was talking anymore, I, I mean, I, I honestly, like, sometimes I like, need to say, I'm like, I'm sitting there cracking up, which I don't think is the intent. Um, so I think the simplicity of you're, you got a, a challenger for a championship, that's, that's the story. That's it. That, that's the context. This is a, supposed to be a sports league. You know, if you're, Baseball season just started. Was a team want to win the World Series? Period. That's what you and that's what this is. It's just Nakamura wants the championship. I, when when Nakamura won, I thought it was a slam dunk. Nakamura is going to win the title at, at WrestleMania. Um, as time has gone on, and as I said when uh, we started talking about this match, that AJ's been doing something very special uh, in the ring as WWE champion. Um, and I don't know if it's going to be something desperate, but I look at it as AJ in a very short time period is putting himself in the, in a class of being a WWE Hall of Famer and has had quite an amazing run um, with this championship. And I don't know if it's time for it to end. Uh, I, I thought that it was obvious that Nakamura should, should come up victorious and we'll have the uh, celebration in the ring. Um, but I think we have a potential show stealer where AJ Styles emerges victorious and continues to have feather in his cap after feather in his cap and winds up being one of the all-time greatest WWE champions ever. It, it, I, to me, it's like he's the, he's the anti-Brock Lesnar. He's held this championship for a while, but he's been that fighting champion, and he continues to have great match after great match after great match. His character is working. His promo work is working. His in-ring work is working. I don't know if Nakamura is ready to, to take on that mantle. And, and I, to me, like, AJ Styles is just the perfect guy to be that top guy with the WWE Championship. So, for now, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think we're going to have a really good borderline classic matchup. But AJ Styles retains the WWE Championship. Well, yeah, right – with this match, what can you say? The, the IWC 
hello, where's our where's our thanks for the IWC for having this match? But it's right, you know, it's like we were talking about story. Just be thankful. IWC, could you just be thankful once in your life? For Christ's sake. Jesus. It would never happen. They said no possibility whatsoever. And Vince McMahon and all his genius freaking waited till you people would pay for it. No <laughs> Well, you're going to pay top dollar for it now. And now you get that. Uh, yes, this is going to be a great match, obviously. Both competitors, their in-ring, in-ring work is, you know, all above board. And it's going to be a great match in its own vein where you have Brock and Range who are going to beat the ever-living crap out of each other. Here you have these guys who are going to fly around the ring with the, with the greatest of ease. Uh, it's going to be exciting. It's probably going to be fast-paced. And you're probably going to see some amazing stuff. Granted, I agree with you that, you know, sometimes Nakamura is hard to take. Uh, If I find it difficult to connect with the character, uh, you know, to me, it's all, he's all, pretty much call him the Asian enigma because no one knows what is going through this guy's head. And then you have AJ who has been. He's an artist. An artist. I, I. Absolutely. <laughs> waiting for the AJ Styles, as you have said, Ken, he's on his way. He, he's on his way to the Hall of Fame. Like as soon as he's, uh, uh, pretty much as soon as he decides to hang up the boots, he might as well just walk right over to the next building. I'm in the Hall of Fame now. But that being said, for this match, as, as far as this is concerned, I am going to go with Shinsuke Nakamura. Whoa! And I'm going. to I'm going to predict the ending as an ending that I have seen before. That was probably one of the more spectacular hits in WWE. And, and for some reason in my head just popped in there. I think they might try to recreate it. If you remember a match on Raw long ago, Shelton Benjamin versus the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. And when Shelton Benjamin tried to springboard in the ring, he got his clock clean by Sweet Chin Music. I think you're going to see something akin to that. Where you have AJ Styles try to springboard in the ring with a phenomenal forearm and then k- get King Shaza or King Quaid or just get a knee in the face. Knee to head. And knee that's going to be it. And then you're going to have your new WWE champion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, when I start yelling about the IWC, I feel like I'm like becoming like the, the mad dog of wrestling radio. <laughs> hey, why are you doing that? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, I think there's one more match that's not actually on the card, but we we think it's going to happen and figured, why not, like, give a prediction here. Um, as John Cena, you can't see him, been again having to build a storyline all by himself. Um I don't know if I like the addition of Kane into the mix, but other than that, I've kind of enjoyed the build. I've liked the idea of John Cena just being a desperate man um, for, uh, you know, wanting his match at WrestleMania, wanting his match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Uh, I'm going to go, like, I think we should go two-fold with this prediction. And we go three-fold. And we're probably all in agreement. First pick, is this match going to happen? Oh, yes. Uh, that is my prediction there. Um, which Undertaker is going to show up? Uh, and, and we talked about it on the show last week, and I know Tommy Dreamer, you know, said, you know, 
wrestling fans need to know when there's a definitive ending. Metaphor, symbolism, that's all it works with The Undertaker. The folding of the jacket, the hat being placed down in the middle of the ring, him walking off, the dead man is no more to me. And I'm fine with that as a wrestling fan. As a wrestling fan, I thought it was a suitable goodbye to him. I don't need The Undertaker to tell me he's retired. Um, I'm predicting American Badass, which I am psyched about. And everyone who hates the American Badass will piss off. I love the American Badass. I'm looking forward to that Harley coming down to the ring. Um, so I think the match will happen. It's going to be the American Badass. I think you're going to have two masterful storytellers um, hide their weaknesses, accentuate their strengths. Maybe not a show stealer, but I think it's going to be a very good matchup. Um, and I think Taker, quite possibly his last match, Taker emerges victorious and maybe goes off into the sunset uh, with his final Mania match being a win. Dave, your thoughts? We talked about it last week, you know, definitely predicting the match is going to happen. I would love to see American Badass. I kind of piggyback off your idea a little bit. Uh, you know, I brought up the, the point, don't make the match official. You said, wait till Mania, and then he shows up. I love that idea, but there's a good chance we'll see him tomorrow night. We'll see what version of him we see. Uh, I just can't see that, you know, if he does come back, that all this trash talking that John Cena has put out there, calling him a coward, saying he's not a man, do something, you've disappointed the fans, you're, 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 you're not the undertaker we all thought you were. I can't just see him coming back only for him to lose. I'm predicting an undertaker victory, quite possibly his last match, but I'm not, you know, I'm not even going to go that far because we've said that for the last five years at WrestleMania. <laughs> I'm expecting it to be a, I'm expecting it to be a very fun match between the two of them. Um, you know, nothing, you know, short of a, you know, a, a technical masterpiece, but bell to bell from a psychology standpoint, I think these two are going to tell a great story. So undertaker for the victory and quite possibly this match could close the show. Well, my predictions, I'm going to go with a, will the match happen? Yeah, of course it's going to happen. Uh, the crowd, uh, the crowd has spoken. Uh, whether we're going to get the dead man or the American badass, I like the idea of the American badass. I like the idea that, you know, symbolism of the undertaker being done with that character. You know what? I, I agree uh, with you, Ken. Make it definitive. Just, it, it's done. It's over. It's done. So come out with the American badass character. And like, like uh, Dave said, I don't see all this hype and all this, uh, you know, all this work for Undertaker to come back and lose it. Uh, John Cena has been putting people over left and right this year. Well, you know, one more guy to put over, and how 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 better to finish potentially finish the Undertaker as you said, Ken, riding off into the sunset. Undertaker for the win as the American Badass. Yeah, and then the thing is, like with the American Badass, to me is you can also like if he is done. Like, that character can high-five fans. That character can shake hands and, and kiss babies. That character can be animated. That character can really drink in the, the, crowd, the crowd's appreciation. Um, the, the dead man version of The Undertaker can't really do that. And, you know, for the lights to be up, not out when he's exiting and for him to be able to 
you know, not necessarily on the mic, but actually interact with the fans. Uh, to me, that would be a fitting way for him to go out. And, I, you know, when people talk, I don't care, man. Like, I, I said goodbye to Taker last year. I thought it was awesome. And at this point, um, I'm, I'm cool with, like, th- that being it for the dead man. And I would love to see American Badass at WrestleMania. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped. Hopefully that's where they go. And there you have it. There's our WrestleMania show. Uh, Dave will be watching at home on TV, giving a TV perspective. We'll be there live in New Orleans. Um, check out Twitter. I'm sure, Dave, you'll, you'll be on Facebook kind of giving your reaction to certain things. So uh, looking forward to all that stuff. Looking forward to heading down. And looking forward to interacting with fans and wrestling fans down in the big bayou. So very excited. Come with us on Friday and Saturday. We're looking to volunteer at the Bill Lobo's Animal Shelter if you're down there. Do some good. Show that wrestling fans can do some good. Thank you all for tuning in tonight. It's time for WrestleMania. For Rocky and Dave, I am Ken. Good night, everybody.